welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so others can find the show too. My guest today is Aaron Esser. Aaron is with WSU Extension in Lincoln and Adams Counties. He has been with WSU for 23 years. In conjunction with his traditional extension program, he has served as chair for the WSU Wilkie Farm Management Committee for the last 10 years. The WSU Wilkie Research and Extension Farm is a 340-acre facility on the eastern edge of Davenport, Washington, in the intermediate rainfall zone. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Drew. So, 2021, quite the year. I wonder if you can give our listeners a, a little summary of 2021 at, at the WSU Wilkie Research and Extension Farm. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Um, it's interesting looking at the contrast the years coming off of 2020 and then what 2021 can throw at us. Um, dramatically different, but, you know, from a researcher's standpoint and um, it's it's interesting to find some things that you didn't think you'd find on such a year. Um, just a quick thing about the the WSU Wilkie Farm. Um, you know, it remains in a experiment comparing a four year rotation, a three year rotation, a continuous rotation. The four year rotation is where we have um, summer fallow, um, winter wheat. Spring broadleaf, um, this year it was canola, and then spring cereal. Um, the three rotation is uh, fallow, which in this case is no-till fallow. Um, actually, all the fallow on the farm and the farm itself is all in no-till. Um, so we go summer fallow, winter wheat, and spring cereal. And then the continuous cropping is a mixture of those where we where we go um, spring cereal, recrop winter wheat, um, broadleaf crops, and just kind of a mixture. Um, kind of, and we kind of let the market dictate where we're going to go with that, as well as some of the agronomic issues such as weeds or fertilizer or things like that. Um, just across the farm this last year, the winter wheat averaged between 55 and 60 bushel. Um, so for the most part, I was fairly happy with that. Spring wheat averaged between 20 and 24 bushel. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not sure how you can still produce 20 to 24 bushel with 0.93 inches of rain during from seeding through harvest. But that's what we ended up with. Our spring canola was a little unique. Um, part of them, half of our spring canola production um, frosted out on a May 8th event. Um, so we wrote that off with the insurance company. And the other field that we kept in averaged 705 pounds an acre. So um, I was pleasantly surprised with that. Um, I was kind of anticipating about half of that. The winter canola on the farm averaged 1,500 pounds, um, a little bit lower than what we were anticipating, of course, but but we had a lot of research plots and things like that within the within this piece of ground. So that kind of um, probably took away from some of the yield itself. 
Um, we're still working on compiling all the data from this. Um, we collect off of the farm, we collect the yield, quality, economic returns, input expenses, wireworm compaction data, um, complete soil samples. And we're still working on putting this together and we, we put it together in, um, in a summary each and every year. Yeah, I've seen those summaries. Those are um, very thorough. What, where can listeners go to see that summary each year? They're on the Small Grains website, Drew. Okay. Um, I think if you click under um, rotational cropping systems, right. you'll be able to find a link for all of them over the last um, five or six years, I think. Okay. So so 2021 was um, maybe a better than um, you thought it might be, but still wasn't a banner year. But 2020 was a, a bit of a different story. So... In 2020, I mean, kind of the, you know, the tale of two stories. 20, um, 2020 was almost as good as it got. And 2021 was, you know, just a, the complete opposite. Um, but it, it was nice and interesting, um, you know, looking at the small plot research that we have on the farm, we really have a mixture of both small and large farm research. Um, a small farm, we use the plot equipment. At the large scale, we use the commercial equipment. Um, this past year, we had 22 and a half acres of FSA certified research on the farm. We're looking at anything from advanced wheat lines with Aaron Carter, compost study with Ian Burke, um, spring wheat seed treatment studies, um, fungicide treatments. By the way, the fungicide treatment didn't yield much because we had no stripe rust, but we'll try again later. Um, looking at canola stand establishment, canola fertilization, um, looking at mycorrhizae and spring wheat following both winter wheat and winter canola, playing off of some of the stuff that Dr. Schillinger did um, a few years ago. And, and Paul, it's looking at um, um, spring wheat following those two crops and kind of decreasing yield following winter canola being related to mycorrhizae. So we're looking at that a little bit closer. And then multiple weed studies. Um, large scale, we are continuing the calcium carbonate study that we established in 2026. However, this year we're not going to get results because it was in the canola field that froze out. Um, Long-term rotation studies looking at wheat, canola, and chickpea. That was established in 2014. Um, fungicide application in winter wheat, ammonium chloride application in winter wheat, um, large-scale spring variety trials this year, as well as a compost study that we added to the farm. So an interesting year. The research continues, though, and some of it produced results and interesting results, and some of it, like the, the spring wheat fungicide trial, um, produced no results. Okay. You, you got all that research onto a 340-acre facility. Huh? That's a lot of research. It's it's a little bit. It takes a little bit of planning. <laughs> so so you mentioned a whole a whole whole uh, bunch of different research projects. Are there one or two that you can uh, pick out that you found quite interesting to share with our listeners? Um, yeah, the first one I talked about the fungicide application in winter wheat, and you hear a lot about plant health and 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 then if you go to the small grains website. Um, and look up the variety tester and use the variety selection app. There's all kinds of numbers on there. One category of numbers is for foot rot, 
or for stripe rust resistance, and then strawbreaker foot rot. And those are kind of, I call them critical, especially when you're trying to make fungicide applications in the spring, as well as some of the, the forecasting that Dr. Chen does. Um, but over the last two years, we've planted resilience, clearfield, soft white, winter wheat. It has a stripe rust rating, it's resistant, or a stripe rust rating of R, so it's resistant, and it has a very good strawbreaker foot rot um, rating of three. So this variety has very good stripe rust resistance and foot rot resistance. And over the last two years, I'm kind of in that herbicide timing. We've been about a week after herbicide application. We've come on, we put a labeled rate of um, um, Quilt XL on, and this has on the label both stripe rust and strawbreaker foot rot on the label and it was interesting over the last two years and very consistent over the two years and we had three locations over those two years the fungicide over the two years has averaged 88 bushel 88.2 bushel the check where we just run water has averaged 88.6 bushel um and that's i think Contrary to what a lot of people think or believe, and you, you hear a little bit about plant health and things like that, um, but overall, we didn't see any of that. We're going to repeat this for our third year, um, but over these these two years, it's been very, um, very clear that we haven't gained anything without fungicide application. However, if we had a different variety, um, we may see completely different results. I think some of the main conclusion with this is from a farming standpoint, I think if you understand the variety you have, the resistance it has for both stripe rust and strawbreaker foot rot, and the year, it really makes it a lot easier of whether or not to add that fungicide in the tank or not. I know some people say it doesn't cost that much and it's a free ride and stuff, but this may be an opportunity to save a few dollars down the road. Um, so that was pretty consistent um, and nice to see. The other one that really surprised me for the first year with that resilience when we planted it, we had a lot of physiological leaf spot, which is related to, you know, some people say it's related to a chloride deficiency. Um, this last year in our resilience, we put chloride on. Um, we ran 10, 10 pounds of chloride, ammonium chloride, um, prior to seeding the winter wheat. And going through with the plots were 500 feet long, um, uh, 30 feet wide, over some diverse um, terrain that we had in, in that particular field. And we put in five replications with or without chloride. And this was one that really surprised me. Um, I've looked at chloride in the past a little bit, and it's been kind of a hit and miss. But this last year where we put the ammonium chloride on, we averaged 56 um, bushels per acre. Where we did not put the chloride on in our check, we averaged 46.1 bushel per acre. So we gained 9.9 .9 bushels with an ammonium chloride application. Very consistent over all five replications. Um, that was one that really made me scratch my head visually. I walking through the trial, I saw no visual differences. Um, really did need my flags to figure out where we put the chloride versus where we did not put the chloride. And that's another study we're repeating. That was in resilience. We repeated it this year. We don't have resilience, but we, we put it in with um, the, the newer Clearfield variety, I think Piranha. 
So those two really stick out in my mind as something that, you know, from a from a dry and miserable year and stuff, there's an idea here to potentially save some money. And then there's some, an idea here to potentially make some money. So I think those are two key things that um, I really hope to get some more results on quickly in the future. Very interesting that the chloride, I've not a soil scientist, but I followed that discussion for a number of years and it, it it does seem to be a bit hit and miss, but it sounds very consistent, particularly kind of strange in, a, in such a dry year to see it as well. Well, when you look at I and I, I'm kind of new to this. and I still got to do a lot of the background. I got all my chloride samples from these from these fields that I've done. Um, putting these trials on, I have a long history, so I, I have soil samples and stuff we can match up and, and look at some of that because you know it all depends on a little bit of where we start with, um, but. A little bit of what chloride does, it really does help with water use efficiency in the plant. And, you know, but to get 9.9 .9 bushels on a year like this was just um, eye-popping. Yeah, that is. That's quite interesting. So so what, uh, what do you have new or different coming along that we should be keeping our eye on? Yeah, um... An exciting time, you know, when I look at it, weeds, weeds, and weeds are what really are going to be keeping farmers up at night, especially trying to get a handle on these winter annual grasses. Um, a big problem, downy brome, you know, herbicide resistance, group two resistance, and clear field across the area. That's that's one of the, the biggest issues I see out there. One of the things we're looking at, um, I'm got my hands on some battalion pro and we're looking at utilizing this this is the a biological control for downy brome it's it works over a three to five year period um and it's one of those things i think that we can utilize to really help some of the some of the numbers i don't think it's going to be one of these tools that's going to eliminate the numbers but i think it can really help us ma improve our overall management um so we want to get an idea of that and how farmers can best utilize that um, we also were able to get our hands on a weed it that we're putting together this year for the Wilkie farm. Um, and we'll hopefully have that up and running for this next year. And I'm really excited that for that technology to just get some different modes of action and stuff out there to help minimize even greater the potential for herbicide resistance, especially when you look at Roundup and, and being able to bring some other modes of action and stuff into it. One of the things we've been utilizing on our fallow the last few year, um, last two years, and we're going to be doing a, an application again here in the next couple of weeks, is a Valor application. Um, I know it's a little on the spendy side, but I've really liked utilizing Valor in the summer it gets rid of those hard to control weeds. The, um, we really haven't had to worry about prickly lettuce, um, uh, mare's tail, Russian thistle. And it's really done a nice job of, um, I mean, you can see right to the line where we run it with um, with downy brome populations too coming into the spring of the year in our summer fallow. So it's really nice to see what it does for for the downy brome and, and getting rid of those. And it really has made our weed control on our summer fallow system a, a lot easier. And I, I'm really excited to compare, um, to pair the Valor application with the weed it. And I think we can come up with some ways to not only save money, but also improve the overall efficiency or weed control efficacy of our, of our system. And I, I really want to see what that will do um, as, as we move forward. Um, we've also kind of taken a little bit different 
um, approach, we're, we're looking at cover crops. I know we've looked at cover crops on the farm um, in the past. Um, we mainly look, focused on warm season grasses or warm season crops. We're taking a little bit or we're taking a, a different look this this time around and we're utilizing winter annual crops. So we have um, winter triticale, winter pea, and then we're doing a winter pea, winter, pea, winter triticale mix. And we just seeded this, this trial a, a couple weeks ago and then it's going to be ground. We also have a summer fallow check in there, a no-till fallow. And then we're going to look at some different things with um, residue removal and and, and um, time of termination and seeing if we can't get a, uh, an adequate winter wheat stand and and stuff on that. And we're really trying to cut what I call, for no better term, downtime. Historically, on our summer fallow, we have about a 13-month of, of downtime where we don't have anything actively growing. So we're trying to greatly reduce that number and keep st keep plants actively growing out there maybe build some additional nitrogen and look at what we can do for a from a soil health standpoint i'm excited to see where that will go um am i you know really optimistic i, I think there's going to be some things to learn and it'll be interesting to see where, where that one takes us as well so really focus on soil health and weed control as we move forward along with those standard agronomic practices that we've been talking about with fungicides and fertilizer and and things like that moving forward drew yeah so lots of very interesting work going on at the wilkie farm um where can listeners go to learn more about what's happening there um, I try to keep a lot of it. Um, the main one is on that the the um, publication that that's on the small grains website that has all the details what we did for the year, all of our production stuff. Um, otherwise, some of the stuff we're trying to work on um, updating and revamping the WSU Wilkie Farm site and my cell phone. I'm very easy, I think, to get a hold of. If you're interested in any of this stuff, want to discuss any of it, and my cell phone number is 509-660-0566. Um, call or text. I'm always happy to discuss anything that we have going on on the farm. All right. Well, thank you for sharing some of that work with us today, Aaron. Um, hope to have you back on uh, sometime soon to hear more of what you're doing at the Wilkie Farm. Thanks a lot, Drew. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.